Hello everyone, welcome to episode 718 of Cold Wave Soundcheck. I'm Aaron Pollock. The Chicago leg of the Cold Waves Festival is going on right now with three nights at Metro with Smart Bar After Parties. Grab your last second tickets from coldwaves.net. With a last minute band replacement for Decrups who are unable to perform due to visa issues, we have a special bonus episode for you. This week we're chatting with Matt Finale. Performing Sunday night at 7.30 at Metro, this is Caustic. We have done everything in our power. We have used every peaceful and, and lawful means by which to redress our grievances. And our enemies just will not stop. We've been fucking assaulted. They, they are threatening us all over the place. And they just won't stop, you know? Tradition is our mission. Fuck that fascist beat. 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 Raise your fist if you got something to say. Whoa. 
Well, I first, I guess, started getting into like industrial proper, or not really even industrial, like alternative proper in uh, high school. So I was this was like early '90s, and um, strangely enough, I got into like Depeche Mode and The Cure around the same time. I visited, uh, I went to visit a friend in Santiago, Chile, um, and I, one of the things he told me was you can buy tapes like crazy cheap there. So this is uh, still when tapes were a thing, and uh, and so I bought some there, like cheap knockoff tapes, and so that's how I kind of got into it. And it was also kind of this really formative thing for me because I was kind of like this little follower kid who just you know just wanted to be cool with all the other kids and then i kind of got there and he was like dude i once i moved back here like because he lived in the states uh up until he, he went back down to south america he's like yeah it's, it's that's all just it's all bullshit and you, you know you're cool the way you are and you should just you know do what you want to do and don't even worry about it and that was kind of like a real eye opener for me and that was kind of where i started like just listening to music that i thought was cool and all the people i thought the people i thought was cool but you know weren't quote unquote, you know, the popular kids, uh, but they're like all the artsy kids and all the other kind of, you know, rad people that I was just like all about, you know, like, wow, that person looks really interesting and they're really artistic and creative. And I've always been really creative and I was big into art in high school and things like that. Uh, so that was kind of how I got into the, the world of it. And that's, you know, that kind of branched me off into getting into like bands like Jane's Addiction and Bauhaus and uh, well, eventually Ministry and then Skinny Puppy a little bit later on and 242 and Meat Beat Manifesto. And I saw Nitzareb open for uh for Depeche Mode uh, when they played Giant Stadium because I, I grew up in New Jersey and uh, with Jesus and Mary Chain so this is like you know 60,000 of my closest friends or something like that and uh, it was seeing Nitzareb and seeing uh, honestly seeing the girls that were like the little rivet girls dancing two of them I was like I gotta get into this music <laughs> <laughs> cool chicks with like black tank tops and dog collars dancing I, I was sold uh, so uh, so yeah that's kind of how I got into it and then Caustic itself formed in uh, early I guess like 2002-ish uh, I uh, I live I've lived in Madison a long time and I started DJing at the end of the '90s and uh, at, a, at an industrial club, industrial night, and uh, some of the bands that were here at the time were like Stromkern and and in Madison's like a small town, so there was like. Stromkern was here, Null Device, Stochastic Theory, The Gotsicles were just starting out, uh, Control Shift and I Ride Psychosis. So there was a lot of bands uh, in this area. This was, you know, very small. Like, you know, we're about, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand in this city. Uh, so a small scene, but we had a lot of, like, a lot of powerful, just really creative acts coming out, and they're all doing different things. And I was uh, promoting shows, DJing and promoting shows, and then I finally kind of just got some software uh, from my friend Chuck in a stochastic theory, and I guess the rest is history. I mean, I really sucked early on, but it was you know energetic, and I had a good sense of humor about it. So that that you know I kind of found my niche, and uh, but now I mean now now what I do is a lot a lot different than that. But you know, it still embraces the same aesthetic, and it's still all DIY and punky and a lot of energy and i kind of with with the new album that just came out a couple weeks ago i really actually went back to try and embrace some of the original feel and the original energy i went for in my uh my early early stuff you know a decade ago so 2002 it seemed like at least where i was on the east coast that there wasn't really a lot going on a lot of a lot of the bands that that were carrying the torch at that point were were breaking up or trying out different things so uh that was interesting that you had a that you had a strong scene over in wisconsin yeah yeah no we had uh, we had a like every we had two club nights a week uh it was a wednesday a night that i ran called halo 
and that was where a lot of people we, we it was like a smaller night because it was a Wednesday but it was like no I think I don't think it was a cover even but I the first night the first hour of the night we always had people who if anybody ever wanted to try and DJ they just had to give me like a mixed disc of stuff they'd want to play not necessarily what they would play but just kind of what they'd like to and, and the, a lot of the people that started out on that night uh, opening eventually you know if they did it a couple times and they got comfortable with the gear they ended up actually playing the night and, and quite a few of the DJs are actually still DJing today um, and became came you know really good and you know significantly better than honestly i ever was um so that was cool and then we had a thing on saturdays and you know we'd bring a couple hundred people in a pop a lot of the time so it was uh it was really good and i had a festival going for seven years called reverence which uh we brought out everybody from geez strom it was originally created because strom and ned from strom was going to go to college out in san diego so we wanted to throw a big party with all our friends we had iris come out and bull come out and uh, a bunch of the local bands play and so that was really fun and it just kept going so most of the time stochastic or a uh, Stromkern would headline it but you know after a while it got to the point where like Ned wouldn't be able to come back for for whatever reason so it was uh you know Combi Christ played it on his first tour and Soman and like we'd uh, it ended up being eventually becoming a four-night thing so yeah we I mean we we kind of I was I don't know if I was the catalyst but we had a, we had a lot of good reasons to do a lot of fun stuff so so yeah, Madison was was hot for a while. We just had such good bands, and I put out a couple compilations just of the Madison scene because uh, mm-hmm. like Sensuous Enemy came out of it. They ended up being on Nalaya, and I think they're still around. Actually, I think they might have broken up by now. But but yeah, Sensuous Enemy and Beta Virus and and she's just all kinds of good stuff. So yeah, it was uh, we had a pretty a pretty intense scene, and I had a label called Sonic Mainline that I put a lot of stuff out on, including like. Mostly it was all Madison stuff, so it was kind of like a like a Discord model. If you if you're a fan of punk, like Ian MacKay's thing, where he just put out DC bands for the most part, and I was only putting out Madison bands. But eventually, right. Bull Bull put their out like one of their last albums, but they were kind of Madison by default. And then uh, Everything Goes Cold, I believe, put out their first EP on the same label. So yeah, I feel like the scene in in general doesn't really have a lot of humor infused with it, you know. Uh, the gossicals are, are obviously an, an exception, but it just seems like uh, most of the other bands take themselves very, very seriously. Yeah, well, and that was, I mean, in Madison, none of us took ourselves too seriously. I mean, it, we, you know, it's even like a band like Stromkern, which was, you know, playing internationally and, and you know, Ned, Ned was popular but we're all just friends and like nobody has an ego and we all like helped each other out and all kinds of good stuff like that but i mean yeah i mean i guess i mean my, my style jumps all over the place and partially because i'm kind of pretty much self-taught but i also like once i come up with a good idea i just want to run with it so there's not a lot of consistency i'm kind of consistently inconsistent but yeah i mean the sense of humor has always been there and and, and people you know who think there's not a sense of humor in this scene should just like you know throbbing gristle had 20 jazz funk greats you know and like there's always been a sense of humor in this shit and people just want to take themselves seriously and don't realize i mean i'm sure you know if you listen to you know skinny puppy has a sense of humor because you can't name songs like you name name those songs and not have some sense of humor i mean ministry always has i mean revco always has um, and I guess, you know, even 242, you know, like there's a lot of, there's a big sense of humor in there, but people just, I think, take themselves so seriously. And that was all kind of the goth industrial woe is me kind of shit that, you know, I, I, I was a part of too. And I guess in some ways I still am, but you know, that, that's what worked for me. That's what got me attention. That's how I was able to carve out uh, like a name for myself. And, uh, plus that was just my personality. And honestly, it was a good kind of gimmick for a long time because, 
it helped me stand out from all the other acts while I was trying to figure out how to not sound like shit. So it, you know, it worked out for me. Right. And, and, and now, now the thing is now I, I don't do stuff that's nearly as, you know, quote unquote funny, but, uh, unless I'm doing something with the costicles, which is my thing with, with Brian from the gothicles or, you know, other stuff I do now and again, but I, I, you know, I'll have a funny title once in a while, but not necessarily the songs and like industrial music for the most part, isn't really all that, haha funny but then people right. people will always link me and they'll just you know i can write the most like down like you know, the most depressing fucking song about alcoholism or you know suicide and somebody will still think it's like me taking the piss out of those songs i'm like no actually i was trying to write a song about suicide <laughs> it's very right. sad and right. it's not cool and i'm not making fun of it and it's but right. somebody i i think i think people default it's kind of just lazy when people do stuff like that because they're not realizing that yeah maybe i'm being serious mm-hmm. I, you, but i'm not always I, joking <laughs> right but i think there's a fun surprise if someone you know goes to Bandcamp and they start reading the the song titles and before they've even you know downloaded it or clicked on anything it's like what what might this song sound like yeah you know, there's like an extra layer to it yeah, and the, and the song and the album titles, I tend to fuck around a lot too. I mean, I I put out Obamacare, which was a couple of years ago, and that was just uh, like covers and some original tracks and some remixes, and then you know I just was it was just funny because that was in the heat of when all the Obamacare stuff was going on. It was just like the most controversial thing ever. So I wrote, I thought that would be the funniest title for an album. And I did it all witch house with all the you know, deltas and the omegas and stuff like that for all the right. letters. It's kind of like, I mean, in a way, it's like no effects. Like no effects can put out a pretty serious political album, but it'll still be a have a jokey title because yeah. it's what are you gonna do, you know? And and that I, that, that was exactly what I was gonna say. I was gonna say you you seem to be the no effects of industrial music. I, <laughs> on some levels, yeah. Either the or else I try to compliment myself and say I'm the dead milkman of industrial music too. But that's just because Rodney plays in my band too sometimes. <laughs>
So you played at Cold Waves 3. Tell me about that. Okay, that I, night. I actually played at the first one, too. So you played with ChemLab. Yeah. Let's start with that first one. Okay. Sure. I, I'd heard, you know, I, I knew Jamie. Not I didn't know Jamie well, but I, I, I always thought very highly of him. And uh, when when he when he killed himself, it, it really affected me a lot. I mean, because just because he was a good guy and he was always nice to me, you know, and it, it seemed very kind of simple to say that, <laughs> but he was always very nice to me and he came to my shows and, you know, when I played in Chicago and he was supportive and, you know, some, sh- some shit went down one time and he was like, he helped me kind of sort it out and it was very cool of him. So it was, you know, it was, it was heartbreaking. And, uh, and having gone through a lot of that kind of stuff myself over the years, uh, with depression and like alcoholism and a lot of things that, you know, that that really brought me down uh it was it was hard you know it was really hard and uh so i felt a lot for his family and i felt for his friends and you know the whole chicago scene i mean chicago's two hours from me you know so it's we're i'm not in the town but i mean we know each other we're all midwest people and we're all you know we're all our thing so um so when I heard about it and Jared asked if I wanted to play, I was like, well, Jesus, yeah. And I, I kind of joined ChemLab on stage for a couple shows here and there. Uh, I played, when they played Kinetic, uh, Jared's just like, dude, you want to come up and just throw noise? And I was like, yeah. So I just was up there and smashing my shit around and it was really fun. And so, yeah, it was it was a really good time. And, and the first one was very, very emotional. And it was, it was I think that uh, the, the, one, the, the third one that I played had a different, different vibe it was more of a, a celebratory thing and the first one was very much uh, like a celebration of jamie's life but at the same time it was it was so sad it was so hard because it was only a couple months after you know right. and uh so it was it was very strange to be there and around all these people that i really admired because i'm like oh there's seabold because hate department played and and there's you know paul barker and there's like you know jim marcus and all these people some of which i i kind of knew online um, but not not necessarily well. But it was like really cool because you're kind of nerding out. Chris Connolly's there, so I talked to Chris Connolly for the first time, and I'm like, Chris Connolly's like my favorite dude, and I loved his biography, his autobiography, and all this other yeah. stuff. But at the same time, it was just you know people would be super happy to see each other, then people would just start crying. Right. So it was it was very hard, and I was honored to be a part of it, though. You know, I was really honored to be. Um, any part that I any part that I could play, so we just kind of tore it up for the whatever forty five minutes, fifty minutes that we had, and uh, it was fun. Uh, and so that that was that, and I wasn't able to go to the the next year because uh, I had my my daughter had been born, so like I just was I had to be I was homebound. Then like the third one happened, and I knew I was in the running because uh, Jason had uh, kind of clued me in that I was like part of you know I was on the list, and uh, so but it wasn't until it was officially announced that I knew I was actually really in because they kept kind of just you know it's it's a big undertaking on their side and they're just like okay well and I being a smaller act you know I wasn't sure if I was going to make the eventual you know the, the eventual cut but I I did so it was great and I got to play in the same day as uh, Damon and Youth Code and 242 for Christ's sake and Cocksure and it was it was a it was kind of a dream come true so that that was that was just amazing to be honest that just playing that show was uh was insane and I got to uh, I I have kind of a revolving lineup of people who play with me live uh Brian of the Gothicals has been kind of a mainstay he's been planning playing with me since the first show in one respect or another uh Eric from Null Device was playing like Theremin and uh let's see Eric Gottesman of Everything Goes Cold who's I've toured with and has played a lot of shows with me was on bass and then uh, Katya was doing you know throwing samples and doing all kinds of other stuff so 
uh, we had just a great crew and we had a really nice crowd and people started moshing and stuff. So that was, you know, it felt good. It felt really good. And, uh, so yeah, it was, uh, it, the, the, the energy of the, and the vibe of the place was just, just so positive. And it was, it was just a really beautiful experience. And I mean, it just, the, the whole day was great. Cause I mean, I, I knew the youth code kids from like, speaking to them online and just saying, you know, Hey, I like your stuff. And, and Damon are actually from the Madison area. Um, so, which I didn't even know until I started talking with them and they're like, yeah, we're from Madison. And I found out Nancy, who's you know, the, the female voice of Damon, uh, her, fa- her family lives like four blocks from me or five blocks from me. So it's, it's, it's pretty funny that, you know, we're, we're, we're all locals when it comes down right. to it. Um, then, you know, just, I just remember at the end of the night, all of us standing up in the balcony, watching front two of our two, just and like, nobody was drunk to the, my best of my knowledge like everybody was just like so happy and just seeing the smiles on all of our faces like just watching fucking 242 be 242 in chicago and talking about how that's you know this is their home and this is you know it was just really cool yeah. and uh it's uh, yeah really just a really positive thing and uh it's it makes me very happy to uh to see it doing as well as it is yeah so it was uh it was a really beautiful it was a really beautiful day Oh, that's what 
On this episode, you heard Fuck That Fascist Beat, Fuck in a Suit, and 666 on the Crucifix. Caustic can be found at facebook.com slash causticmusic. Our opening music is Madmaker by Accumination. Our closing music is Messiah by Splinter Group. Our closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Cold Waves, fallen Chicago musician, and Sandman Jamie Duffy. Originally shared in episode 507, here's Matt again sharing his memory of Jamie. There's a famed story of me from nearly 10 years ago now where I was set to play a bunch of dates with uh, KMFDM, KMFDM and Combi Christ who were touring. And, and uh, Andy from Combi is a, an old pal of mine and got me on five dates. And uh, the first was going to be playing in Chicago at the House of Blues. There's a, a legendary, in quotes, story of how I actually got kicked off the tour within 24 hours uh, due to some shenanigans or whatever. It was it was honestly pretty stupid. I, I Sasha just did not take to Caustic, I think. I, I drove home that night uh, back to Madison and then was getting ready to drive back out to Milwaukee to do these dates. And then I got a call from Sasha, if I remember correctly, and he just said, you know, you're off the tour. I don't ever want to talk to you again about this or whatever. And I was like, oh, in shock because I didn't – whatever happened was not my fault. Uh, I took responsibility because it was like my crew, whatever happened. and But I just didn't know what was happening. And I didn't get a, a lowdown on like, you know, he didn't give me any indication as to what happened. So Jamie actually was doing sound that night at House of Blues and he was staged, I think, or maybe he was stage managing. And so I was like, shit. And I, I got his number from somebody and I called him to ask what was going on. And he kind of just said, yeah, it was just a, ended up being a bad night. And, and, and he kind of helped me straighten it out and get get some information on exactly what happened. But I mean, this is kind of another thing where, again, he was just, he didn't have to help me out. You know, I was never I was never super close with him, but he was very helpful in trying to help me figure out what the hell happened. And he was, you know, I felt bad for me because it was kind of a shit deal. But he was, you know, he was a he was a good guy. You know, he was a really good guy, and I just always remember him very fondly for the fact that he, you know, helps kind of sort out what ended up being a very embarrassing situation for me at the time, which I was able to kind of spin to even more kind of press than I would have gotten even playing the five shows. But it was still, you know a break and then I I blew it essentially <laughs>